It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast time. What's up, Talk LP News app fans? It's podcast time. I'm Amber Bradley, your host. Super stoked to be here with NRF Ring of Excellence winner, uh, Lisa, Alisa Dart. How are you? Hi, Amber. I'm good. How are you? Okay. I neglected to tell everyone, not that people don't know who you are. I'm sure you've had LinkedIn stalkers from uh, the moment you got this job, but group vice president at Albertson Safeway, which is um, super cool because you have had so much experience across the asset protection industry. But first we have to clear up the biggest rumor about you possible. Okay. So it's not Alyssa. No, it's not. It's a Lisa. Lisa with an A. Correct. Lisa with an A. A Lisa. You know, if people are not saying your name right, because I have, so my daughter has a double name, as you know, Lena Grace, and people say Lena and it drives me nuts. So I have a special soft heart for people that everybody screws up their name. So, you know, they didn't watch the podcast if they don't say a Lisa, a Lisa. It's very simple, guys. Say it right. We appreciate it. Shout out. Okay. First off, as I mentioned, congratulations, Ring of Excellence, which is super big time. How do you feel? Thank you. It's awesome. I'm I'm really surprised, honored. You know, it's something that um, some really important people have received. So I feel really great about it. You know, I also feel great about the fact that I'm really being recognized for some of the, um, you know, some of the the mentoring that I've done and some of the, you know, kind of presence that I presented for women in the field and um, some of the role modeling that, you know, I think has just been kind of organic that um, that's really what I got the award for. So I really value developing and mentoring people. So that's what makes it feel really good. Which is a difficult thing, right? It's easy to say, right? We're going to mentor, we're going to develop. A lot of people say it, right? But not a lot of people because it's hard because you're like six months go by and you didn't even talk to this person after you're like, because everyone's busy, especially you at the level that you're at. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. Like, like you're kind of, and of course, as you said, you know, this wasn't on your list of questions, but it's important because not many people know how to do the mentor thing, right? Like if you had to just give some off the cuff advice, like through your career, you know, a successful mentor mentee relationship, you know, looks like what constant communication, or maybe that's over expectations or what? So, you know, first I would say that the, the mentees got to own it because there's, there's not enough time in the day. There's too many priorities. There's too many things happening. Right. So I think that the mentee has to own it. They also have to kind of define what it is that they're looking for. What do they want to get out of this? Um, and then, you know, build that, whether it's an action plan or a schedule or whether it's scheduling appointments or whether it is, you know, working on, um, different initiatives together, that's gotta be their responsibility because they're the ones who are seeking out that men, that mentor relationship. Um, But, you know, I think when you think about mentoring people, it's also just got to be people that work for you, people that you're on your team, people that you're, you know, you're either cross-functionally partnering with or within your own, you know, pyramid or within your own department, because that's probably the most, um, I think people who have been a part of my team have given me the feedback that 
um, is it's not an official mentoring, so to speak, but it is development. It's development of your team. It's providing them feedback. It's giving them recognition. It's giving them, um, you know, kind of the push to do things maybe they don't want to do or that they're, they feel maybe they're not ready to do. So it's really that development piece that's super important as well. And getting people to the next level is usually a, a result of that. Yeah, that's, I mean, what's really cool is, you know, we, we've heard that, you know, the buzz in the industry when you took over the group VP at um, Albertson Safeway is, you know, it was like, who is this lady from luxury fashion? And then you came on scene and it was like, like everyone's singing your praises, which, you know, a lot of folks I think are talking about this investment you have in your team. And, you know, giving them all the opportunities that they want and can handle, which I think is super awesome. But let's clear up any other rumors that you're not on your way to retirement. Just because you got now the ring of excellence, you're not on your way out. No, not at all. I still have a lot of time to work. More on your way up still, which is awesome. Okay, so let's get into this. Life leadership lessons that you live by. I think this is important, especially people listening that, look at group VP and all that you've accomplished, especially with this award. I mean, it's a big deal. You know, it's, it's almost like it's not that you needed it. Right. But it's a stamp of like, this is awesome. You know what I mean? And so I, I always like to get into your head at this time to be like, what do you think like leadership wise, like things that stand out at you above all through your career? Um, so one of the things I think a million people probably have heard me say is good people, good everything. Um, if, if you have good people, you're going to be able to execute pretty much any initiative, you know, um, you're going to have sometimes obviously people who some people are more technical than other people and some people who have a better skill set skill set in like A, B or C, but ultimately when you have really good people, they can, they can accomplish everything, anything. And they're a little bit more, you know, committed, a little bit more dynamic. They're a little bit more, um, you know, focused on teamwork and focused on getting the, the, the task on hand done. So I think that's the biggest thing is, is whenever there is like a weak link on the team or whenever there is somebody who's maybe not suited for the position that they're in, um, that's kind of what happens where now the team dynamic falls apart. And so now you don't have, you know, good people making everything good happen. So when, you, when I think about some of the strongest teams that I've led or that I've been a part of, it's been because everyone on that team was really good. They were super committed. They were well-placed. They were achieving you know, um, their, their best results. And as a result, we were able to do accomplish so much. Um, so th I think that's like the number one, good people, good everything. Um, the, other, the other thing I would say is um, the importance of relationships cross-functional relationships. Um, you know, AP is, is just such a um, uni unique space. And it's something that is typically uh, kind of on their own and it's very easy to stay in that bubble. So it's super important to figure out how to cross-functionally build those relationships and drive to be a part of the team and make sure that everybody is, you know, that you're getting involved in things outside of our little bubble. Um, and then lastly, I would say keeping it simple. So I am like super known for, it's gotta be one page. It's gotta be one, like we can't have 10 slides to explain something. It's gotta be, if it doesn't fit on a page or a slide, 
um, at least the concept itself, then it's probably going to be way too difficult to implement, um, particularly when you're thinking about hundreds of stores that have hundreds of different initiatives to complete in their stores and still run their typical business, right? So I think keeping it simple and really always thinking about the end user versus um, what, you know, this grandiose plan that it's so amazing on paper and it looks like it's gonna just be like this big thing and then a, a store can't execute it or an AP team in the field, or maybe if it's something that you're asking, you know, store leadership to, to implement. So it's gotta be super simple and you've gotta think about your end user all the time. No, those are great points. And it makes me think about, you know, we're, we're grocery people over here at Calibration um, and the fact that we're doing Apex Grocery, which you're speaking at. So we're super excited about that coming up August 14th to the 17th in Nashville, just to plug there. But grocery, do you find that, and it, to me, you know, and we've implemented awareness programs at all different types of footprint, right? But grocery seems so much more complicated, right? Because if you don't sell it, you smell it, right? And then you've got that kind of shrink, you got perishable shrink. I mean, so do you find that that is, has been more complicated or it's just a, a different animal than the other side of retail? It's, it's super interesting because I think one of the biggest things about this position that was intimidating is that I didn't have a tremendous amount of grocery experience or pharmacy experience. So um, when you talk about shrink and you talk about the AP aspects of shrink, like the straight theft aspects, that is very similar. So, you know, whether someone's taking a cart of Tide or whether someone's taking, you know, um, a cart of polo, you know, it's, it's, or a, a shopping bag full of polo, it's the same concept, right? So the internal theft and the external theft and the physical security piece, the investigations piece, all very, very similar. Um, I would say what's unique um, about, you know, moving into grocery and what makes it complex is yes, the different parts of shrink, the perishable shrink, the fresh shrink, all of that different part of the shrink world that adds up to be a lot of money. Um, and then also obviously the pharmacy shrink. So um, in the beginning, you know, I related how pharmacy investigations and, and the risk of pharmacy reminds me of fine jewelry, at, you know, from my Macy's days. And everyone was like, yeah, that might be true, but you don't have the DEA, you know, following up on your investigation. So I was like, well-placed, you know, got it, put my place very quick about that. And um, but I would say, you know, it's very similar to you're looking for some very small items that have a lot of high risk and a lot of high value. And so there is that paradigm, that connection of, um, you know, the complexity of some of the investigations that we're required to understand and to be a part of. But overall, it's different, but the same, you know, and a big part of it, again, goes back to people leadership, goes back to the execution of projects, being able to build strategy, you know, those are all the same dynamics that you're working on, no matter what, you know, part of the business that you're doing. Well, I think that's really interesting, because if you, if you are listening out there, and you're like, well, this, this lady didn't know anything about grocery, you know, and you're, and, and what's interesting is if you, what you're saying is if you have the right leadership perspective, and I think that's clearly what the people with the ring of excellence knew, right? Is that you have the like, right leadership qualities and perspective, you know, you're, you're operating and will be successful. So it's like, it's like, 
hey, dive in a little bit to the depth here of how you function, you know, within the team and all of the things that you said about your leadership lessons, because that's what's making the difference, right? If you look at your career and all your experience and how, you know, you've come up the ranks, which, you know, I think that's really cool because it's not about the thing, right? It's about your uh, methodology, your, you know, theories of how you go about things, which we're getting to, like, if you're listening and you say, okay, I want to be a group vice president and I just started and I want to be it in two years, right? <laughs> which you, we said you've heard that before, but always love this question. The audience knows what would you tell your 25 year old self, you know, as if you could go back and have that conversation? Um, so three things, uh, first, you know, first is dream big, right? I mean, everybody has to have aspirations. You have to kind of, you know, have some idea. What do you want to do? How far do you want to go? You know, there's, there's that, um, for sure that dream big is important because, you know, no one's going to do it for you, right? So you have to decide how far you want to go and what it is you want to do to get there, because there's a lot of different choices you can make and different paths you can take. Um, but you know, th with that, I always I always try to try to say to people is you've got to manage your own expectations, because um, I think that a lot of people think you can just get farther than you can get in a shorter period of time than than is really possible to get the experience. So um, I've interviewed lots and lots of people for district jobs, for regional jobs, you know, throughout the years, and and it would be interesting where you know, like like you just mentioned, someone who's just recently graduated from college. And they will be like, well, I want your job in five years. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I love it. I love the ambition. But, you know, really thinking about managing your own expectations on how long will it take me to get there? What are the paths to take? Um, and, you know, in that situation, like this has taken me 25 years, you know, so it's been a long journey. I've moved a lot of times. I've been, um, I've done a lot of different roles. I've taken on a lot of different lateral positions in order to gain more skill and more scope. Um, and more territory. So, you know, it takes a while. So you got to think about like really realistically, how long is it going to take? And then how many are the jobs that you want and what are kind of some of your backup ideas? Um, and then last but not least, it's got to be, you got to work hard. You know, I think that um, in today's age with a lot of technology and a lot of ways to make things simpler um, and faster, it's awesome. And I totally take advantage of those. But I also think, you know, it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of, um, a lot of self-organizing, a lot of, um, a lot of hard work. Yeah. Like you can't skip out on it. And the so I don't know how many millennials watch, listen to this podcast because I'm always beating on them. I'm sorry, but part of it is what you're saying is the two things, the journey, right? Like you're getting the experience in the journey. You can't skip it. Because then you're not going to know what you know. 25 years of the journey is the thing. The pro and everyone's going, yeah, easy for you to say because you're in your career. You've already, you know, made it, right? But it, unfortunately, that is the thing, is the experience in the journey and the hard work, like you're saying, like you can't skip it, right? Right. Yep. And, you know, thinking about what you just said, like already made it, you know, I'm not sure if that's, if that's accurate or not, but I think one thing I always think about is, you know, there's a quote, like yesterday's home runs don't win today's games, you know, so you, you still awesome. have to work hard, you know, every day you got to work hard. That's really the, the truth. Well, and would you say even like, 
and I haven't been a practitioner, right? So I, I get the I get the joy of just watching all of you work so hard and solve complex issues. But would you say, like, especially in asset protection and loss prevention, and you're dealing with shrink, it's very much a what have you done for me lately, right? I mean, because you can't point back to, hey, remember when our sales were going crazy and shrink was nothing during COVID? Wasn't that great? I mean, they're going, hey, next quarter, next, you know, periods, whatever, right? Do you find that to be the case, more the case, you know, in the asset protection field than, you know, others that you've, you know, been aware of? You know, I, th I think overall the answer is yes, but I think that we're also in an age of, you know, KPIs and um, expectations. Everything is measured, right? You know, when you think about it's super important to have measurements, it's super important to, to identify, like, what does success look like? And so, you know, we all work in a, in a business that sales identifies, you know, how well that store or that district or that division or that region or whatever it is, is doing. So there's the metrics for asset protection aren't, you know, always as clear as, you know, sales up or down, you know, improvement over last year or not. So I think that it is sometimes, you know, basically how is your shrink? And that is compared, you know, comparative to last year or to what the goal looks like. Um, but overall, that's I think that's an important part of what the org has to do. Whatever pyramid you're, you know, whatever store you work for, or company you work for, is what. How do you define the success? So you're able to articulate not only to your team but also to senior leadership how we're doing and what we're focused on. You know, and yeah. that's where it gets a little complicated because nobody wants to assess on you know how many shoplifters and nobody you know. So there's. There's a lot of dynamics to how to build your KPIs, but I think that it's important to have those KPIs because you're right, you know, is it better or worse and how can you, you know, manage the inflation piece or what happened, what was happening with the sales piece. Um, so figuring out how to really have that clear measurement and then be able to articulate it to the people, you know, who work and who are achieving those goals and then the people who support obviously the functions of asset protection. Yeah, in a simple way, what you're saying. You know, right from the first one, yes yes sure. okay i like this one <laughs> if you okay if you weren't an lp executive what career did you miss out on what would you be um so i you know i wanted to go to law school my intentions um when I started undergrad, you know, I, I was going to go into political science, which everyone did to go to law school at that point. And then somebody said, oh, you know, they have this, this criminal justice program. So I thought, okay, well, that's cool. So I went into um, criminal justice and believe it or not, uh, I was one of three women in the whole curriculum. And this is a major university. This wasn't just like, you know, a community college. So um, one of three. And so from there, um, I thought, well, I'll go to law school. And then really, I got into AP, same story as so many people or LP. Um, you know, what happened was all of a sudden it was like, hey, um, do you do you, like what a couple guys in class said, like, what job do you have? And, and at the time I was a retail store manager. So I was doing specialty retail, you know, it was a store that I would compare now to like H&M or Forever 21, you know, it was like one of those junior stores um, in the mall. And so I was like, well, you know, I'm a store manager, you know, I had a, a good job. I was going to school full-time, working full-time. And they were like, well, you should come, you know, catch shoplifters. It's so much fun. 
And so oddly enough, the hourly rate was more than my annual salary, you know, when you multiplied it out. So I was like, all right, I'm game, let's do it. So I started doing that. And now, you know, many, many, many years later, you know, still at the AP. Um, but throughout that, obviously, I decided, got my undergrad and said, well, I'll wait and I won't go, you know, to law school. I'll wait a couple of years, see what happens. Um, and kind of, you know, did not go to law school, obviously, but that's what I would have done is practice law yeah. would have been thought what it would have been really cool. Um, I did get so a prosecutor or defense. Uh, probably defense. Oh, <laughs> okay. I think, well, probably because it would have been, you know, um, I don't know, more lucrative, but you know, so many people started out in, in, you know, the DA's office. So maybe, I mean, maybe, um, but I also did an internship during that time too, where I saw only plea bargains. So I thought, oh, I don't know. I'd rather, you know, maybe be in the action. Okay. So I did an internship for the public defender's office when I was in undergrad. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure, you know, let me take some time off and, you know, get my, get my uh, BA and then decide what I want to do next. So I did take about 10 years off and debated going to law school at that point, but then decided to get an MS in um, uh, criminal justice with a focus on emergency management. So it was right after 9-11 and, you know, I was working downtown Chicago, I was running a flagship store and I thought there's really a, an opportunity to learn here. I was working for a great corporation that had tuition reimbursement. And so I took advantage of that and I was able to get a ton of education in that emergency management space, that crisis response space. So that was great, you know? So uh, ultimately no law school, but it would be pretty awesome to be an attorney. I, I can totally see you as an attorney, especially on like those like law and order shows. Yes. I mean, you know what I mean? You got that, you got that. Okay, last question. Everyone listen up. Uh, advice. So I like this, advice for solution providers. Uh, like first would be get your name right. That's number one. That's that's from me, not from you. She's not like that. But okay, I'm sure, especially going, you know, NRF and we're in trade show season that your phone, I don't even know if you could answer your phone based on the number of, uh, we love you solution providers, but if you had some advice, what would it be? Um, so I've joked about this. You know, I am just so happy to have a solution. You know, I think anyone who's around uh, my age, you know, we're just so happy when we have, it works. We're like, this is great. It works. Um, but what's interesting is, is much of my team who has had solutions their entire career, you know, they've, they've always had the solution. So they haven't had to like beg for it or get excited about it because it's been there. So I think that now they have higher expectations than people, you know, like I have, because um, they've had all of this. It's kind of like Google, right? Like if you've had Google your whole life, yeah. you just expect to know the answers where right. we wouldn't know the answers. We'd have to ask our parents or something, you know, or like look it right. up. In an we encyclopedia. Have encyclopedia Britannica, you know? Exactly. So, so I think the big thing now is that um, the expectations of all of those up and comers is higher. And so things have got to work together. You know, when, when, when I ask my team to go to four dashboards for something, you know, if we're doing like four different solutions and there's four different dashboards, um, there's just probably an opportunity for more connectivity amongst different uh, platforms and really thinking about the end user, thinking about how, um, how do they 
get together more frequently in order to put everything into a platform that everybody would be able to use. So I think there's some good stuff and a lot of good connectivity amongst a few of them, um, kind of thinking about that already, because I know that that's come up in several settings. Yeah, no, we, it absolutely has. And I think um, that really shows the collaboration of the solution providers out there to start getting it right. Okay, Elisa, we really appreciate you stepping into Talk LP podcast hot seat. Again, congratulations on the ring of excellence. Much Thank deserved. You. We really appreciate you stopping by. Awesome. Thanks. And I'll see you soon. Yeah, I can't wait. Apex. All right, guys, don't forget apexgrocery.com. If you're interested in attending, let us know. Uh, thanks for listening. You can always hit us up at Let's Talk LP on the Twitterverse. And uh, thanks for watching, guys. We will see you later. Peace. Cause, cause, cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.